25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 wide sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. What y'all doing? Hey, hey, heads up. Pay attention. (laughs) Welcome in on a Friday. It's Friday, everybody. As they say, how will will you? Hey, Friday. Did you you say how will will you? I said how will will you. You've got a three or four year old in your life, do you? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, my little one used to say, how will will you? And we used to get, we used to really get tickled. And I tell you what, she's not little that's anymore. That's a tough right? word if you think about it. Yeah, when it you is. Just, when you're just getting started there. I tell you, she is, um, she's not little anymore. Seven years old, soon will be eight. And, you know, I don't know where the last five years went. It's like from birth to three years old was just so, like, I, we were soaking in every moment. We laughed every day. And, and, you know, time did move slowly. It was so new to us. And everything was just, we soaked it in, you know, from birth to three to toddler. But it's like we went to bed at three and it woke up and she was six. And we're like, what happened? Where, uh, where the, what, wait a minute. Where'd the toddler go? And now at seven, man, she's tall and. Tall and skinny and long legs and smart. And, you know, she asks really hard questions at times. Um, and I think what I've done as a dad is I continue to hold on to a lot of the funny things that she did and said when she was really small. You know, and <laughs> it's not it's probably not supposed to be this way. It may not even be all that healthy, but I just I kind of. I miss the little bitty toddler. I miss it. I miss the baby, the toddler. Number one, they're easier to pick up. <laughs> well, this morning I picked my daughter. You know what up. you got to do, man? I know it, and I'm getting older, and you got to have a meeting and uh, <laughs> make a decision. This morning, I, I know, I know, but see, that's it. It ain't just me, and my, and honestly, my wife Roger was one of those who she was really sick for nine straight months. Oh. I mean, the entire pregnancy, she was sick. And, you know, who am I to say? Look what you've done to me. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I I just, you know, but we're very, very happy. We really are. But I do miss the little bitty baby. This morning I picked up my daughter out of bed. Again, she's seven. (laughs) She's almost as tall as her mom. (laughs) Wow. She is seven years old, and she's less than a foot from catching her mom. Didn't you say you had a, a she was singing somewhere? Oh yeah, yeah, she's uh, singing the national anthem at an event this weekend in Vicksburg. I tell you, Roger, she the first time she did that, we were all really excited, and she was too. She loves to sing; she's good at it. 
And she's one of these kids, like, there's no such thing as nervousness. Like, it never even factors in. It doesn't matter if it's in front of people or not. And that maybe that's because you know, she's been in some little, you know, uh, uh, a little drama club thing here in town and been involved in some plays and different things that had speaking parts even as a little one. But she just has no nervousness, and she sings well. And recently here in Tupelo, uh, there was an event where the local sheriff, who's a friend of ours, is – uh, beginning the whole uh, process of campaigning, rerunning for election, you know, continue to be the sheriff. And he had an event, a lot of people there, and he had her there to sing the national anthem. And it went really well. But leading up to it, she had to practice it a good bit. And she knocked it out like it was nothing to it. Got off the stage, people clapped for her. And I, I kind of behind the stage, I gave her a big hug and I said, I'm so proud of you. And she looked at me as if to say, kind of, what's the big deal here? Well, I mean, why is everybody. And so um, afterwards, somebody saw it on Facebook and contacted my wife and said, well, hey, we have an event and we'd like for her to come and do it. And so my wife told her, said, hey, they want you to come sing the national anthem at this other thing. And her response was, she went, I'm so tired of that song. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we thought, okay, it's understandable. Yeah, she's been practicing it for a week. And well, her Elvis hated Love Me Tender. So. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, something like that. Elvis. The songs he had to do out in Hollywood, he wasn't so fond of. Is that right? Elvis hated. But he sang them. <laughs> oh, sure he did. Sure he did. With dollar signs in his eyes. Yeah. Well, here we are. On a Friday, He Hate Me sent me a tweet just now at Radio Wyatt and said, with kids, the days are long and the years are short, my friend. That's a wise thing. It is. It is wise. It can also be that way sometimes on the radio, but this is going to be one of those shows on the radio, sports radio anyway, that will fly by for all intents and purposes because uh, there's plenty to get to, and a lot happened last night. So why delay? I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau, local agents, that you can deal with face-to-face right there in your county. And many times, most times, they're from right there at home, same place you are. And you get to deal with somebody one-on-one with anything regarding any kind of insurance, and it's really the way it ought to be, so it's a comfortable situation. Make sure you give Farm Bureau a chance if you haven't already. And if you are a Farm Bureau existing customer, talk to your agent. If it's been a while, talk to them because there's all time, you know, they're always looking for ways to save you a little money here and there on your insurance costs. And this show, as always, stays connected via C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, customer-inspired C Spire. You have a couple of different ways that, I, that you can be a part of the show. You can call me on the Divini phone at 995-1059. That's a 601 number. If you call, we're going to talk about the draft here. Last night's first round, State had three players go. Ole Miss still didn't didn't have anybody go in the first round, still sitting out there. DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, they'll go today. But what do you think about all that if you took it in and the results? So call me and let me know on the Divini Equipment phone line, 995-1059. And same thing, text the show on the text line, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Doggone texted the show and said, if you miss your toddler, just make more. Yep. 
It's supposed to be that easy, right? But it's, you know, trying to make responsible decisions. <laughs> trying to anyway. It was an eventful night last night for state fans. Uh, first round of the NFL draft being held up in Nashville. And uh, the state had three players taken. Jeffrey Simmons at 19. Montez Sweat at 26. And the very next pick, Jonathan Abram at 27 of the Raiders. Three first-round picks, the most ever for State. It is the most first-round picks since 1996. I remember that. And that was after my, my my first year on campus as a member of the football team was the 95 season, and that was the year that Eric Moulds and Walt Harris were both seniors at State, and they both went in the first round. Eric was drafted in the first round by Buffalo, and uh, Walt drafted in the first round by Chicago. Both had excellent careers, Pro Bowl-type careers. Uh, but that was two first-round picks back in 96. and So you're talking about a long time in between multiple first-round picks, and here you go with three, the most in school history. Uh, in a bit, I'm going to let you hear what it sounded like when their names were called. And a really cool piece of audio that was paired with some video that made the rounds last night of the moment that one of those guys got the phone call. They recorded it on the, both ends, but also the the end where his team and his coach were on the phone as well. And I'll kind of let you hear how that conversation went coming up. First up, though, on the Divinity phone, Jeff hanging on today on this Friday. Start us off, Jeff. What's up? Hey, man, I was surprised about the three, but more surprised that DK and AJ didn't go in the first round. And I'm a state fan. Yeah. Um, I got a, I got an old Miss buddy, and he had a, a – I don't know, a hypothesis on that. He says, look at all the uh, guys that's been drafted from Ole Miss. You know, talk about the ones that didn't make it, like Kim Dietschy and Treadwell and some of the others. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I'll ask you this question, he said a lot of times they'll draft for culture. He said that's why Alabama goes so well because of past history, past culture of Alabama, and all the Mississippi State defensive guys that's done good, they'll draft because of culture. And by the same token that they don't draft Ole Miss based on history and culture of Ole Miss and, you know, maybe not wanting to have the work ethic. What are your thoughts? Well, there's got to be something to that, Jeff. Um, now, what, again, those guys will go today. You know, both guys, Metcalf and Brown, will get drafted today. They both likely will go in the second round, but we'll see. And I think what you're pointing to – could very well be a part of the equation and and seems like maybe a likely part of the equation. I also think there are other factors, though, that are legitimate. One is that the wide receiver position is becoming less and less premium, especially in that first round for these NFL teams. Um, you, you have to be like the number one receiver – hands down, and a really like sure bet for one or two of those teams to see you as that fit. If you look in recent drafts, obviously quarterback, but defensive tackle, offensive tackle, and pass rusher are so much more coveted than a big fire-breathing wide receiver because all these teams are looking at it going, man, we can get any number of starting caliber pass catchers 
in the second and third and fourth rounds of this draft. Where we have to be elite is at left tackle if we've got a right-handed quarterback. We have to be elite at pressuring the opposing quarterback at defensive tackle, stopping the run and coming off the edge. we got to take care of that first, and everybody's looking for that. And there are more injuries at those positions. Therefore, there's more depth needed. So there's some other factors. And, and the position they play is one of them. But I think when you look – let's look at one pick in a vacuum, the 32nd overall pick, the last pick of the first round. The New England Patriots, world champs, who do as good or better a job than anybody else in the NFL year upon year upon year in terms of personnel. You and I both know that one thing they do not tolerate is a bad apple under Bill Belichick. And I'm not saying any player – I'm not pointing to say a player is a bad apple, but I'm saying any kind of question about that, they don't, they don't tolerate. So they're sitting there at number 32, the last pick of the first round. All these others are off the board, and only one receiver had been taken prior in the first round, and that was a kid out of Oklahoma that went 25th to the Ravens. Only one receiver off the board. Every other receiver sitting there. The Patriots, with an absolute, no doubt about it, need at wide receiver. During the playoffs and at the end of last year in their championship run, they took Rob Gronkowski and split him out wide because they had nobody else to put out there who was a threat one-on-one. That's how bad they needed a one-on-one threat. And instead of taking D.K. Metcalf, who at 6'3", 240 or 230 pounds, ran a 4-3, instead of taking him, the Patriots went and drafted Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver out of Arizona State. What are his measurables? He's 6'2", 228, similar size to D.K. Metcalf. What did he run? He ran a 4-5-3-40, not as fast as D.K. Metcalf. None of his measurables are as good as DK Metcalf, but they went and got this guy. So you have to think that what they do is they're looking at this going, you know, what outside of physical tools, who's the better player? What program is he coming from? You know, and so there's got to be some things that are that that go into that, like you say, I believe. One last thing is that I think the culture will really resonate if Jenkins goes before Little as far as on the offensive line. Well, and maybe, uh, but they do. They are different in that Little is a tackle and Elton Jenkins is an interior lineman. But, Jeff, I'll tell you this. Elton Jenkins is about to be taken in the second round of this draft. And you think you'll go ahead and you think, you think DK and A.J.? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's no way to know because you get in that second round, now it's going to be about need, and not every team is going to have that same need. But he could. But the thing about Elton is wow. – the thing about Elton Jenkins is he's – from a lot of an analytical standpoint, he is the highest-graded interior offensive lineman still left out there. And wow. he, and he's versatile in that he can play center or either guard position. And Little is coming out of Ole Miss, and they all see him as still has a ways to go in terms of development. Is he big? Is he talented? Yeah, but he tested poorly. They didn't like all that. So he'll go at some point, but nobody's going to use an early pick on him 
and people, teams feel like Elton Jenkins is ready to step in there and play right now. So uh, he'll he'll definitely. Well, what, what, what does that say about Jenkins came out? I think a three star, and Little was a five star. I think the number one rated lineman, and yet he's coming out of Ole Miss. They say, my God, he still needs a lot of work, and Jenkins the best out there. What does that tell you about culture? Yeah, you know, there, there's no question that State's program the last few years, and it. let's be honest, you know, last year was a new staff under Moorhead, but, but that culture and the whole thing is primarily built and goes back to what Dan Mullen and his staff did. That's a fact. And there is no question that they got the reputation of hard-nosed, focused players, no-nonsense, who are willing to outthink and outwork people to get on the field. That's to overachieve. That's the reputation that state's culture and state's teams built. And, you know, a, a place like Ole Miss didn't and doesn't have that reputation right now. But I'll tell you this, Jeff. There are good coaches everywhere you go. I mean, Matt, Matt Luke, as an offensive line coach and developer, has had guys drafted has coached really good players and not just one school. Um, there's, it's a two, it takes two to tango. You know, you can take a great coach, but you give him a player who doesn't really want to work, then the coach is not going to look that great. And so a lot of it is on the player, too. And I, I just know, like, you take an Elton Jenkins who people told him he wasn't that great and didn't talk about him coming out of high school. He's motivated for three or four years to prove everybody wrong. And sometimes that five-star player – believes what they say about him and he comes out of high school and believes he's made it and he's never really learned how to work and man that'll backfire on you in a in a hurry thanks man yeah thanks jeff there's so much that goes into it both sides all right first guy off the board at pick number 19 there he went with the 19th pick in the 2019 nfl draft the Tennessee Titans select Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, Mississippi State. Well, they went defensive tackle after all of our conversation about needing offensive firepower. What do you think, Daniel? Well, he's a top five player in this class. If he's healthy, if he doesn't tear his ACL, he'd have been long gone by now. This is a... This is a guy that can do everything. Fletcher Cox, haven't been around him with the Philadelphia Eagles. This guy's very similar to him when you study him on college tape. That's a little bit uh, of what it sounded like when Jeffrey Simmons was taken at 19. Um, A few picks later, seven picks later, number 26. The Indianapolis Colts have traded the 26th pick to the Washington Redskins. And with the 26th pick... In the 2019 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins select Montez Sweat, linebacker, Mississippi State. And goes down. Nice blitz. Montez. All right, so then the next pick, the very next one, number 27. With the 27th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Oakland Raiders select Jonathan Abram, defensive back, Mississippi State. So back-to-back, Mississippi State Bulldogs come off the board. Jonathan Abram. Yep, and so he went 27 to uh, the Raiders. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to come back and play for you some audio of the phone call between John Gruden 
and Jonathan Abram when he made the pick. It's uh, interesting. You've seen those things before, but this one's a little closer to home, a kid who's from right here, right down the road in Columbia. Went to Georgia initially. Mark Rick left Georgia, and so Jonathan kind of said he felt lost at Georgia. He transferred out back to Jones Community College, Jones Junior College in Ellisville, and then signed with State and had a really good two years on the field for State. Um, and I'll let you hear that conversation. But three State guys in the first round. Matt, I got your text on the text line, 885-3776 or 885-ESPN. Matt uh, texted the show and said, I know the topic of the day is a draft, but my phone has been messed up all week, so I couldn't listen. How do we look against Ole Miss, and how do we look against Georgia this weekend in baseball? i got a baseball preview for you coming up. Ole Miss and A&M began their series last night, so we're going to recap that, tell you how game one went. That's coming up. And, Matt, I just wanted to assure you, plenty of baseball in today's show. There is a lot to talk about results from last night and to preview what's coming up this week. I've kind of been doing it all week. But, you know, you get a couple of local kids. Now, Montez Sweat obviously played at State, transferred in there, but he's originally from Stone Mountain, Georgia. But two of the others that went in the first round there, Jonathan Abram and Jeffrey Simmons, both from right here at home. High school football players right here in the state of Mississippi wind up first-rounders and Another example that you don't have to go out of state in order to make that happen. So plenty more in the draft, and I get your reaction. we got to talk Simmons at some point. It was a big reaction last night to the way it was covered on television by ESPN, not by the NFL Network, but the way ESPN handled the Jeffrey Simmons draft pick and showed the video of the fight he was in with that woman and his mother and his sister back in high school. We'll get your reactions to all of that and more here on the show on a Friday. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Welcome in. Yeah, when you're drafted in the first round, you get some significant money in your pocket right away. It's a pretty big deal. After that, it's a big deal, but the money's much different. <laughs> Remind me where um, um, Dak went in the draft. Prescott went in the fourth round, but and, and he's made – what I think technically Dak has made less than a million dollars in terms of salary from the team, less than a million dollars each year that he's been in the league. Now that's about to change. Doesn't he have? Is he going to have one of the biggest deals? He'll have a big third deal. Yes. Biggest. Yeah, second or third biggest when they sign him up and get it done. He um. Now pretty much right away because he won the rookie of the year and was good as a rookie, automatically started picking up significant endorsement stuff. So Dak's a millionaire and was from the first year, but in terms of salary from the team, you know it's nothing like the other QBs in the league. Nothing, not even close to really the other QBs in the league. And then Russell Wilson gets this big deal here in the offseason. Dak is next, and you know it'll be significant, multi multi million dollars over eight, nine, ten years, whatever it will be. And um, so, yeah, I mean, 
you go in there and you earn it if you're a later round pick. If you make a 53-man roster for an NFL team, and that's what they'll cut it down to in August, they'll cut their roster down to 53 guys, and that's what they go into the season with. If you make a 53-man roster for an NFL team, you are about to get paid. I don't care if you're the punter. <laughs> you're going to make more money than you could make doing just about anything else. <laughs> Unless you the guys that have gone in and say, when, you, when you're drafted in there, they're not necessarily happy to see you because that means somebody's got to go. That's right. No, everybody's looking for a job. Jerry Rice, the absolute unquestioned. It, it cannot be. Dallas. It cannot be <laughs> debated. Jerry Rice, the best receiver to ever play football. You can't argue against it. Nobody can. Everybody can argue who's the best running back. Everybody does argue, and rightfully so, who's the best quarterback. Nobody will even argue with you on who's the best receiver to ever play football. It's Jerry Rice, period. End of story. There's no argument. And even him. He said that what motivated him throughout his career, especially late in his career, when he was getting older, to still be so good, was that his thought process was every day that he got up to go to the facility and they were going through workouts and practice, he's putting his shoes on thinking, if I don't have a great day today, they're going to replace me. I mean, he's looking around him every year, and there's new guys coming into the league who are younger, more flexible, can jump higher, are taller, and he's got to find that edge to stay in front or he will not have a job there. It's true. It's just the way it is at that level. And, you know, Roger, you and I were talking about that. You get drafted in the second or third or the fourth or the fifth round. Drafted is drafted. First-rounders are different in two ways. Number one, the money. They make so much more money, even right away in signing bonuses, than the others do. Your first rounder is significant. Two, there is a connotation, a, that label of first-round pick sticks with those guys, even if they start to play poorly four, five, six years into their career. And instead of getting bounced out of the league, they just get shuffled around in trades and different spots and different rosters and still make lots of money to be backups. Look at Blaine Gabbard, out of the quarterback out of Missouri a few years ago. Look at Robert Griffin III, the former Heisman Trophy winner out of Baylor, who for a couple of years was the starter in Washington, but then kind of got hurt and couldn't get back the same and had all this weird stuff off the field and in the locker room they didn't really like him. He's still bouncing around. He was like the second or third string guy for the Baltimore Ravens last year, making a million dollars to sit over there and pick his nose every Sunday because he's a former first-rounder. Former fifth-rounders, they don't hang on as backups in the league nearly as long. <laughs> it's just a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Brady, would you agree, is pretty good? Yeah, best ever. Sixth round. Sixth round, you know, and, and ran a five-flat 40. Nothing impressive about him, and look at him. So it is about what you do after you're drafted than it is being drafted. Drafted is drafted, and so we'll make a big deal out of, well, this guy went in the second round and that guy went in the fourth. Well, so what? Teams don't care. Once practice starts, they don't care unless you're a first-rounder. Otherwise, don't care where you were drafted. What are you going to do for me lately? And that'll be what it's all about. On Twitter, let me read a couple of tweets to you. I'm Radio Wyatt if you want to tweet during the show. Brian tweeted me and said, Matt, you should know NFL teams want guys that can be agile. 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 They don't want vertical route only guys talking about receivers who could just run deep ball 
Well, maybe so. You know, they certainly want you know that that polished route runner. It's very, very, very important. More and more teams starting to have you know slot safeties to cover slot receivers and playing more man to man. You get a ton of man to man coverage in the NFL. And yes, you have to be big and strong. Julio Jones can you know out physical a guy for a football in the red zone. But you also better be a very precise route runner. And if you're not, you will not get on the field as a receiver in the NFL. And that is what has happened to Laquan Treadwell out of Ole Miss up in Minnesota. Every physical tool and ability you could possibly want, but that precision route running, kind of like the the tricks of the trade, so to speak, for wide receivers, he just hasn't come around and he can't get on the field enough or hasn't been able to up until this point. Maybe he will, but we'll see. Jonathan sent me a couple of uh, tweets that are good. Jonathan says that, Elton Jenkins is 24 years old and Little is 21. Huge difference there. He says culture has nothing to do with that difference. He says Ole Miss has three juniors. You are comparing to MSU seniors except for Simmons. And then he says just shows another year of development was needed for the Ole Miss guys to solidify their worth. The ceiling will go up for those guys in the coming years, though. All are top-tier players. And it's hard to argue with any of that, Jonathan another year of development but here's what i would say is you want to be a first rounder will stay in school and develop and i know that for them they you know you look at the the way that dk metcalf just took over the nfl combine on that first day with his measurable size weight speed and and all of that yeah i mean you could say you know he's he's already borderline first round guy and had the neck issue that made him miss some time this past year. But what if DK Metcalf comes back and stays healthy and dominates for an entire year and develops even further as a senior? What if, what if he does that? Is he a first rounder next year? You know, you want to be a first rounder and if development's what you need, go develop. You might need another year. If you're Greg Little, you're 21, stay in school and develop. Could have done that. And yeah, junior seniors, it is a difference. However, I would tell you that, you know, you look at the state guys who went in the first round. Well, two of those three missed what? At least, well, two of those three missed at least one, maybe two years each of Division I football. They were in JUCO. Montez Sweat was at Colin Community College for how many years? So he was obviously there one, but he might have been there for two, for all I know. Because you're right, because he left Michigan State and wound up at Colin Community College, Kapiah Lincoln Community College. Jonathan Abram was at Georgia and then left and wound up at Jones County Junior College. So both those guys, we talk about developing, both those guys, you could also say, missed out on a huge chunk, each of them on a huge chunk of their Division I football careers because they went the JUCO route as well but still came out of it as a first-rounder. A lot of it is positional as well, though. Wide receivers, they're just just—they're kind of like running backs. its, it's they're, They are seen as more dime a dozen than elite pass rushers and safeties who will come down in that box and tackle people. Get your phone calls in. I'll get your texts in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around.
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Hey, hey. The leading passers in the NFL during the regular season last year were number one, Ben Roethlisberger, over 5,100 passing yards. He's a former first-rounder. Number two, the MVP was Patrick Mahomes, over 5,000 yards passing for the Chiefs, took him deep in the playoffs, lost to the Patriots. Had him beat if D. Ford doesn't jump off sides and the Chiefs traded D. Ford or got rid of him and went and got Frank Clark from the uh, Seahawks. That's how it works. But anyway, Patrick Mahomes was a first-rounder. He was a number-two passer. Matt Ryan, the number-three passer in the NFL in terms of yardage, was a first-rounder. Jared Goff, number-four passer in the NFL. He was the number-one overall pick a couple years ago. Number-five, Andrew Luck, first-rounder. Number six, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, first rounder. Then there's number seven, leading passer in the NFL last year, Tom Brady, who was a sixth round pick, but keep going. Number eight, Phillip Rivers, Chargers, first round. Number nine, Eli Manning, Giants, first round. I don't know. I mean, it's just passing yards. Maybe I'll do uh, wins and losses. Maybe it's different. I don't know. But there you go. So um, maybe there's something to it. And that's just last year's stats. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. The idea is how important is it to have a first-round quarterback on your roster? Well, about nine of the first ten guys in passing yards last year were all former first-rounders. They're pretty good. I guess you're you're pretty good if you're a first rounder. Here's some of the reaction. Let's see, do I have some of that? Yeah, I promised you this. It's time to play it now. This is when with the twenty seventh pick, the Raiders took Jonathan Abram, the safety out of Mississippi State. The phone rang and John Gruden was on the other end. Yeah, is John Abram there? This is me, coach. Hey John, this is John Gruden, man. Was there any doubt you think I was gonna call you, man? Man, nah, I knew you were going to call me. You want to be a Raider? You know I want to be a Raider. Yeah, we are so excited. We're going to turn the pick in. I'm going to make you an Oakland Raider. Congratulations, brother. I appreciate that, Cole. Let's go. All right, man. Who you who you with? I'm with my family right now. All right, just know this. I'm going to be calling plays against you this spring, and I can't wait to get after your ass, man. I'm going to light your ass up, <laughs> I know you are. I already know that. Hey, you're going to be a leader for a long time here. We, we got... Um, we got Farrell in the first round. We got Josh oh, Jacobs. Yeah, boy. I know he is, and and uh, this is this is going to be one of the best drafts in in the history of the Raiders. And I want you to come in here, be yourself. I know you love football. Congratulations. Here's here's Mike Mayock. He wants to congratulate you, big boy. How's it going, Coach? Hey, it's Mike Mayock. How you doing, man? You all right? I know. I'm great, Coach. You excited? Man, I am. Now I, I keep going back to the Senior Bowl week, and you kept. You were all over us, weren't you? Man, because I knew I was going to be a Raider. And and there, there's one obligation that comes with 
What's that? Leadership. Hey, I'm already ready. You going to be a leader? I am from day one. All right, we, we expect that out of you, and that's it's not just your talent, it's your character and it's your leadership. You feel me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. I can't wait for you to get here. You're gonna you're you're gonna be a big big part of us turning this thing around. Okay? Yes, sir. I appreciate that. All right, John. We look forward to seeing you. All right. So that was the conversation on the phone. It was John Gruden, the coach of the Raiders, and then Mike Mayock, the GM, who used to be the draft analyst on uh, the NFL Network and then moved over into a GM role. So you got two former TV guys. Well, they started their career in coaching and in front offices, then went to TV, now back to coaching in front offices. But anyway, you heard the conversation, a little bit of what it's like uh, when all that happens. There was a lot of analyst uh, or analyzing done of Jeffrey Simmons and his pick and his injury and the past incident back in high school, all that kind of stuff. Here's some of that. This was on the NFL Network. Well, Jeff Simmons suffered his injury in training. This was about mid-February. He was actually pushing himself a little bit harder after finding out that he was not being invited as a full participant in the scouting combine. Suffered that injury. He told me at his pro day, he also had a meniscus repair, his meniscus torn. They had to repair that as well. Really, in speaking to a lot of different teams about Simmons, the majority of people feel he's going to be a redshirt. He's not going to play at all in 2019. There are some concerns, too, that perhaps his rehab process is a little bit behind because from April 1st through April 17th, basically, he was on the road visiting a bunch of teams, doing the things that he couldn't do at the combine because he ended up having surgery that week. Of course, there's also a high-profile incident in Simmons' past prior to him arriving on campus, but everything clubs have heard from the current coaching staff, the former coaching staff is that Simmons has done everything right since he got to Mississippi State. He's a culture changer. We'd be talking about him as a top 10 pick if he were completely clean. Uh, So a little bit of the um, uh, analysis there of the Simmons pick. So on that note, as I kind of told you yesterday, I, I didn't watch very much of the draft, but I did have it on my phone. I listened some here streaming at uh, The Zone. I did... After Simmons was drafted, I pulled up the Watch ESPN app and pulled it up where I could have the audio going on my phone. I was doing some other stuff. And then I turned on the NFL Network later, and I did watch kind of the back end of that first round. I saw where Simmons – I'm sorry, uh, Sweat and Abram were picked together, but I was watching the NFL Network version. So I missed a little bit of what everybody went crazy about. But Maroon Richie on the text line – says, in my opinion, ESPN did not do right by Simmons. Everyone makes mistakes, and some are worse than others. It's all about how you bounce back and carry yourself uh, forward. And he's been nothing short of excellent since he stepped on campus. Anyone you talk to will second that. That young man made one mistake, uh, and then the last part of your text there, Richie, was cut off. Um I got a text earlier from a friend that said, I'm so disappointed in how ESPN handled Jeffrey Simmons' announcement, uh, or, or talking about draft. So, like if you were watching Jeffrey Simmons get drafted on the NFL Network coverage with Rich Eisen, uh, Kurt Warner, others, on the NFL Network coverage, they had Deion Sanders on the stage. He was the one who interviewed each player. It was pretty normal. Um, from what I saw, they 
they the Titans picked Simmons number nineteen. They immediately go into like they did with all the first rounders, you know, ooh ah, here's what he can do. They show highlights, shows him running around making tackles, what kind of player he is, how does he fit. They talked about his injury, and then they said, and you know, some teams might have dropped him a little lower because of this incident he had back in high school. But that's really all that was even said on the NFL network. But apparently over at ESPN it was different, and you saw a lot of backlash about it on social media. Apparently ESPN, when he was drafted, treated it much differently than any of the other picks in the first round in that they did not, again, from what I can gather, uh, they did not show any highlights of him. They just immediately began to talk about the incident that he had prior to going to Mississippi State and then showed – a clip of the video of that incident where he hit that woman. And um, I talked to somebody who did watch the ESPN version. He said, yeah, it just seemed kind of egregious. They never did show any of his highlights, and they went on and on and on about the incident. But he said that the guy on ESPN did say, now this happened a long time ago, and you have to keep in mind that Jeffrey Simmons' mother and sister were in a physical altercation fight with this woman. Simmons jumps in there to break it up initially, but then while she was on the ground, he pop, 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 hits her two or three times in the head, but uh, and then moves on and they showed it, and it was a long time ago. And I would just say this, you know, video of that services, uh, was it four or five years ago, uh, it pops up. You know it's going to follow him wherever he goes for the rest of his life, and you really would have to be naive to think that when he is eventually drafted in the NFL, that somebody doesn't bring that back up. Uh, and it wasn't good. It's something you shouldn't do, period. And he admits that, knows he made a, a mistake. The other side of it is, too, I think in reality, it was a situation where you know, he certainly did put his hands on that woman, but it's not like he was trying to hurt her because if he was trying to hurt her, he would have. As big and as strong as he is, it was, um, it was weird. The whole thing was kind of weird. and But... That's neither here nor there. It, it happened. It shouldn't have happened. You should never do that. He's admitted that. And Jeffrey has been just an absolute role model. Uh, great kid, great grades, never had an issue. Uh, football all the time, leader on the team, right kind of character. He's just not going to have any issues going forward. And so the, the Titans, because of that and because of that ACL injury that he had during you know, pre-draft workout stuff in the offseason, the Titans get a real steal for a top 10 player who definitely would have gone and been drafted in the top 10 if not for that. And they get him at 19. It's a real steal. And the Titans are already saying, yeah, he's probably going to redshirt this year. He probably ain't going to play, heal up the injury, and be ready to go during the 2020 season. So use your first-round pick on a guy that's going to play for you in two years. Uh, You're pretty confident in his ability, no question about it. All right, hour two coming up. Uh, baseball coming. Matt, you texted me earlier. You want some baseball? I've got to do that and definitely will. Have plenty of time to do it. But continue your reaction to the first round of the draft and look ahead as well. On this Friday in the Farm Bureau studio, connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Stick around. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. 